0: Scott, if that is your real name Hour number two, welcome to the program If you did not catch the first hour We went over the uh, Biden administration's Changing of the rules on the student loan cancellation bribe uh, To the voters um, And uh, why they did that Basically they got sued And because it's obviously an illegal unconstitutional act uh, They've now had to change some of the rules Lickety split but this also now uh, prompted this, uh, uh, or this uh, uh, along the same lines of the, the court here. We've got this prominent federal judge out of the U.S. Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals, a guy by the name of Ho, James Ho, Judge James Ho, Fifth Circuit. Uh, that includes uh, North Carolina, right? The Fifth Circuit, right? We're the Fifth Circuit. Are we the Fourth? We're the Fourth. Hang on. Are we the Fourth? We're the Fifth. We're the Fourth? We're the Fifth. Fourth? I think we're the Fourth. Yeah, I think we're the fourth. All right, so never mind. Not one of our judges. We're in the fourth. Anyway, this judge went to a Federalist Society uh, event, and he said, I am no longer going to hire clerks from Yale Law School. Because Yale Law School not only allows cancel culture, but they actively promote it and participate in it. The faculty, right, the professors, they allow this to happen. People have to uh, have had to be escorted under police escort off campus from violent mobs of Yale law school students. That should not happen. And he says, I like this. I'm not I'm not interested in hiring anybody to clerk for me if they're coming out of a program that allows that. Now, he made uh, he made some stipulations here because he's a lawyer but he, he made some stipulations, and he said it's not going to apply to anybody who you know, already you know, came out of law school uh, from Yale, uh, somebody who's um, in it right now. It's, everybody, it's anybody who matriculates from this day forward, right? So now you, know, you should be aware that if you go to Yale, I'm not going to hire you. And I'm just one judge, but he's hoping other judges follow suit. Because this is the only way he knows to fight back, aside from standing up for free speech, for standing up for, you know, tolerance of the debate. Is it fair to the students that do respect speech and oppose cancel culture? David Latt, he has his own Substack stack uh, publication um, called Original Jurisdiction, and... Uh, I believe uh, he used to write uh, uh, for, was it the Washington Post maybe? I forget, but he was a, he was a judicial courts reporter, right? He was a, a well-known, I believe, court reporter. So uh, David Latt, maybe it was the Daily Beast. It doesn't matter. Anyway, David Latt, he's got this piece, and he's a graduate of Yale Law School, okay? So uh, he, he takes great interest in this story. But he said that the judge is you know trying to avoid potential unfairness so he's only applying this policy prospectively, right? Going forward, starting with students who decide to enter Yale Law after today, students who are currently at Yale Law School who uh, you know enrolled in the program without any notice of potentially impaired clerkship prospects, they would not be subject to his ban. He explicitly stated. He wants protective, uh, pr- sorry, prospective law students to think twice before attending Yale. As he put it, he wants Yale uh, Yale Law School to think about the kind of legal education they want and the kind of academic environment that will help them grow. He submits that the environment of Yale Law School today, uh, where even progressive students feel the need to self center, uh, censor rather, uh, that this is not such an environment. He goes on to say, oh, then he goes into their record. He, like, touts all of the clerkships and all of, like, there are 179 active federal circuit judges. So they all have clerks, so you have 179 judges, and it's a very limited pool. There's, like, another 670-so of uh, uh, district judges around America. Uh, So it's a limited pool, right? And clerkships are really, really valued at Yale Law School which is generally the number one law school when it comes to the percentage of its grads who end up in federal clerkships, especially Supreme Court clerkships. That's the most prestigious prize of all, right? Because there's only nine justices there. And so despite their leftward lurch, you know, Yale grads have continued to land plum positions as law clerks including with conservative judges and justices. But if this judge can get a critical mass of fellow judges to join him, then if you're a, a student wanting to go to, uh, to law school and you're right of center, why would you go to Yale, right? If you start getting judges that won't hire you for a clerkship simply because of your alma mater, which, by the way, for the folks who are like, oh, that's just discrimination against, you know, Yale and against your you know particular university you're going to. It is. Indeed. Absolutely. You get no argument from me there. Oh, and guess what? There, that already exists. Discrimination against people from basically every other college on earth, except for like a handful of them. They are right now discriminated against by, like, particularly at the Supreme Court level. Was it Scalia? I think it was Scalia that would try to make a point to hire and look for people that were not from the Ivies. I think that's... I think it was Scalia, but I don't recall. Maybe it was Thomas. Yeah, if you don't go to one of these top law schools, then they don't don't even look at you. So that's discriminatory, is it not? So why wouldn't this be fair game? Fair play. Or, uh, like a lot of folks on the left, when they... uh, When they're responding to allegations of uh, discrimination based on political philosophy or viewpoint discrimination against conservatives, they'll say stuff like, well, that's not illegal, right? That's not a protected class, right? Protected classes, race, gender, ethnicity, religion. But no, no, politics? Yeah, you could totally not hire uh, a Trump supporter. That's totally allowable, totally ethical for folks on the left. So, okay. This is your John Edwards-esque to Americas, right? We're going to have competing economies. We're going to have competing uh, uh, educational institutions, right? We're just two tracks, one for all the socialists and one for all of the free market capitalist types, right? The limited government types. Is that the idea? Now, David Latt says this is not the first time he has heard this idea. Judge Ho is the first judge to announce this policy publicly and to encourage others to join him. But I do know that other judges have already quietly adopted such a policy and even privately encouraged others to join them. So this has been going on already. He says, as a Yale grad who clerked for a prominent conservative judge myself, I can understand where this judge is coming from. And I guess my main reaction is sadness that we have reached such a state of affairs. I'm also worried that moderate and conservative students are going to self-select away from Yale, which would only make the intellectual intolerance at Yale get worse, right? Do you think that the leftists at Yale care that conservatives are going to stop going there? I don't. Why would they? I mean, they're going to have to find some other people to shout down and demonize, i sure. But they'll find somebody. They always do. So... You've just now taken yourself out of Yale. Okay, and and maybe Yale suffers in the long run for that. But he, uh, David Latt then asks, what can Yale Law School and Dean Heather Gerken do to get Yale out of the doghouse? Now, and so he offers up three potential ideas that they should get rid of all of the administrators involved in some of the most infamous incidents of intolerance. And then he names some. I, there's no need for me to do that here because... It's a little below the line, but he, he lists a few of them. Fire people. Number two, if Yale's going to uh, subject new students to anti-racism training, that, at least in past years, some viewed itself as racist, um, it should teach students at orientation about free speech, intellectual diversity, and how to disagree without being disagreeable. And number three, uh, to get out from under this monitorship, Yale should do something to show that it's indeed a changed place. For example, it could invite back a woman, Kristen Wagoner, who's now the incoming CEO of the Alliance Defending Freedom, and instead of shouting her down, it could give her a civil reception. Rather than, I think, the last time, right, when she appeared, or maybe somebody else from ADF that showed up there and had to be escorted off campus under police guard. Maybe these are some ways that Yale can redeem itself and get out of the doghouse, he suggests. Now, Jonathan Turley... He is not on board with this idea. He thinks uh, it's not going to make much of a difference, and he suggests a better way to get at the problem money. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. Got another email. I think this is from a bot. Scott Bot. I'm pretty sure. Why are you using Gmail, Scott? I mean, seriously. Like, you know what Gmail is doing with all of your information? Google? I mean, they're... Anyway, the reason I ask, just... Well, here. By the way, I always, I always debate whether to read these types of messages on the air because, on the one hand... The writers uh, they, they they formulate this attack in order to get on air their message, right? So they they say, You won't cover this, I bet, and then they say what they want to say. And so they're they're antagonizing the host to read so the host can then say, you know, oh see, I I would read it on the air, I don't know what you're talking about, right? But if I don't read it on the air, then that just further confirms the Scott Botts accusation that I wouldn't say this on the air. So he has set up a trap, right? All it is is a rhetorical trap. There's no there's no way that I can respond to the email because if I read it on the air, then I'm caving to what he's demanding, right? I'm doing what he is trying to force me to do, which, you know me, I have a bit of a contrarian streak to me, so I automatically resist that, <laughs> And then uh, the other side of it is I don't do it, and then he gets you know, his ego uh, and his conspiracy theorists fed, uh, theories fed, by my refusal to read it on the air. And then I become part of the system, part of this uh, amorphous they uh, that is somehow or another uh, the root of all the problems uh, that Scott has identified or the Scott butt. Which, again, when, when, remember, this is a guy writing to me with a Gmail email. Knowing what we know of Google and what they do with, let's say, China, just keep this in mind as I read this message, all right? Quote, well, first off, the subject line is, hello, which automatically tells me this might not be a real person, because right? yeah, I get about seven messages a day that start off like that. Hello. Hello. I see your smile on the Facebook or something. Whatever. All right, here's the here's the email. Quote I've noticed that you refuse to tell the truth on who's actually running the country and in charge. You, like everyone else, says the Biden administration. But you know very well it's not Biden. It's not by Biden is not in charge of anything, nor is he making any decisions. You, just like so many others in the conservative media, are scared to say who is Obama, Hillary, Soros, Pelosi. And they are taking orders and direction from the Communist Party of China. And then he says, Do you have the cojones? Although he doesn't say cojones. But he says, do you have the cojones to say that? I doubt it. See? So he sets up a no win, which is what all bad faith debaters do, right? He's a bad faith debater. If he's actually a human, he may just be a bot. The Scott bot. Why are you using a Gmail account, Scott? Why would you send that to me? Are you part of the CCP? I think you are. I think this was an attempt. Yeah, I think now I'm being propagandized to buy the communist chinese party okay but so in scott's in scott's mind obama hillary soros pelosi biden and ccp and yeah administration is that what i'm supposed to call it what am i supposed to call this now i'm not supposed to call it the biden administration because he's not calling the shots by the way you know who said the same thing the left about trump you know that right they said the exact same freaking thing they said it about russia that putin was calling the shots you're no different, Scott. You're no different than, than the people that attacked Donald Trump and all of the Trump supporters. You realize that, right? You just swap out one puppet master for the other. But Scott doesn't want me saying the Biden administration. He wants me saying what? Biden, Obama, Hillary, Soros, Pelosi, and CCP administration. Scott, I'm not going to say that. I'm not going to say it every time. That's ridiculous. By the way, feel free to send along proof that they're all taking their marching orders from the Chinese. I'm open to it. Hey, I'm open to be persuaded. You want to send me some information rather than a bad faith extortion email? You go right ahead. I'll be curious to see the proof that you've got, though, because that would be astounding, right? And do not send me a link to Gateway Pundit. (laughs) Do not send me one from Gateway Pundit or Alex Jones, Infowars. Good luck scotbot you might also want to get a different uh email uh uh platform uh like a, what proton mail i think is one of the ones that people use in order to mask their information from the commies so uh good luck oh um yes i will get back to by the way i will get back to the uh, judicial boycott uh, story there was one other piece of information on that the uh well i actually hang on a second i can do that now let me do that now because i did promote that i, w- I did tease it before the before the last break so Here's Jonathan Turley. He says, this judge out of the Fifth Circuit, Judge Ho, is right on the merits but wrong on the means. He says, I don't believe that the students at Yale should be the subject of a boycott for the failure of the faculty, right? Just because the faculty has created and promoted and participated in cancel culture and is infecting all of their grads with this idea, he says, you shouldn't penalize the kids that are going through the program now. The real question is whether such a boycott would even work, he says. He doesn't believe it would. Even if it were successful in dramatically reducing the prestigious clerkship for the school, uh, it would likely not produce a change of behavior by the faculty. The sad reality is that many professors long ago jettisoned the interests of their students and their institution in favor of pursuing their own agendas. Right. So this isn't going to hurt the faculty, and they already have been corrupted. So why would they care? Right? Oh no. All of our students aren't going to get into conservative clerkships. Oh well. Good. That's probably what the faculty would say. He says, I I respect judge ho's objections over the demise of free speech at Yale. There's been a chilling loss of viewpoint, diversity and tolerance on our campuses. He says he wrote about it in a previous piece at the Harvard journal of law and public policy. Um, um, But he says Yale was also recently uh, ranked at the bottom of universities on the issue of free speech. And Judge Ho is himself a telling measure of how far we have departed from our free speech roots. He came to the U.S. from Taiwan as a young child, and his family is acutely aware of the struggle for free speech in the nearby mainland China. Yet today, some faculty at Harvard and other schools now insist China was right on censorship on the Internet. And, the support, uh, and they support the limitation of free speech as harmful. Speech controls have become an article of faith with many professors, he says. By the way, this gets to another topic I've got on the uh, United Nations, the communications chief for the UN. Made some interesting comments at a World Economic Forum meeting uh, a couple of days ago. I will get to that. Um, he says, Jonathan Charlie says, The institutional interest has not motivated faculties to reverse their current trend. The only solution is the alumni. Graduates have to be willing to withhold contributions from these schools. It is only money that might motivate administrators to reconsider this trend when alumni refuse to subsidize orthodoxy. We shall see. Interesting fight, though, with potential uh, long-reaching impacts in our judicial system. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. Uh, a uh, quick heads up. If you're looking for something to do this weekend and you would like to help in the effort to raise money for the uh, Alzheimer's Association, it's the uh, the first of the walks starts this weekend. Um, this one's October 8th, Saturday. Uh, I'll be there uh, with Ramona Holloway from our sister station, Mix 1079. And... Um, Check-in starts at 9 a.m. This is in Gastonia. Uh, They're going to be all over the place. You can go to the website, alz.org, to find the location nearest you. They're they're doing them every week. Um, They're all over. They've got 17 walks across the state. Alamance County, Asheville, Charlotte, Gaston, Cleveland, Lincoln counties. That's the one. um, Gaston, Cleveland, Lincoln. That's the one on Saturday that I'll be at. Fayetteville, Guilford County, Henderson County, uh, the Unifor area. Uh, Iredell County, Jacksonville, Moore County, Mount Airy, New Bern, Rowan, Cabarrus Counties, uh, the Triangle, Wilmington, and Winston-Salem. So you can register and uh, get more details uh, at alz.org. The Alzheimer's Association Walk to End Alzheimer's, Saturday, October 8th. Uh, Hope to see you there if you can. Um, All right, so let me get to this, because I mentioned... In the last, uh, that last piece here from Jonathan Turley, he talked about speech controls have become an article of faith with many professors. He was talking about, yeah, law school and law schools and academia in general. But this is, this is now becoming something that a lot more people are signing on to, speech codes. They're, they're, they like this idea, and they're dressing it up under this uh, veneer of misinformation, disinformation, right? And it's getting worse. It's getting worse. And now that we're approaching the midterm election, you got the big tech daddies that are all coming in and uh, putting in place the speech codes and the policing efforts that we first saw in the last presidential election, right? In 2020. And so now they're, they're ramping them up again. And you start seeing messages. You start seeing the little disclaimers and stuff. uh, And obviously, you know, the, the pandemic had a lot of this. Well, there is a woman named Melissa Fleming, She is the newly appointed undersecretary general for global communications. Okay. And she started that gig September, 2019. So she's been on the job for two years and she got in there during the pandemic and her background. She was head of global communications and spokesperson for the high commissioner at the UN and uh, she led global media outreach campaign, social media engagement, a multimedia news service to distribute and place stories designed to generate empathy and stir action for refugees. Okay? This was her mission. It's part of the UN. How do you get good coverage? How do you get placement of stories into news? Or what we call in the biz earned media. That's what they call it, earned media. We go out, you do something, and you end up earning some media coverage, and so you don't have to pay for it. It's just it gets coverage. Like, for example, have you seen – did you see this thing over the weekend? Um, or, Or I guess it's been going on for a couple days prior to the weekend. I don't watch Major League Baseball anymore, but have you noticed there are people in the stands behind home plate at some of these big baseball games over the last week or so, and they just stare at the camera? They don't move. They just stare at the camera with a creepy smile? And they're wearing usually like a bright colored shirt that says smile on it. Have you seen this? It's a guerrilla marketing campaign. There's a movie. It's a horror movie that's coming out called Smile. And apparently that's like they all wear these creepy smiles. And ooh, creepy. They're smiling in a creepy way. Blah, blah. Anyway, it's a horror movie. And so they went out and bought baseball tickets behind home plate. And they would hire an actor or some kind to go sit behind home plate. And they sit the entire game not moving, just staring at the camera in center field with, like, wide eyes and a creepy smile the whole time for, like, however long a baseball game is. Three hours, right? Four hours? Six hours? Whatever. So, like, they just stare it's a and that's how you earn coverage and then people start talking what is going on with these creepy people and you start seeing others and you're like i saw one there and then it it, it became a thing social media then kind of collected a lot of these uh videos and then somebody did a, i think it was the observer the uk observer did a story on it. earned media coverage okay so this is what her job was okay to work with media companies to get stories placed in order, as the UN bio says here, to generate empathy and stir action. Okay. Here she is speaking at, uh, this was on, yeah, this was on September 20th. She's at the World Economic Forum's Tackling Disinformation Panel Discussion. Okay. And I watched... About, uh, about half of this, it was an hour-long presentation. I only got through about an hour of it. I was going to pull some more audio, but no need, no need. The opening video, this is really all you need to know. The opening video at this event features Al Gore, okay? <laughs> features Al Gore talking about how we're all going to die from climate change, right? Also, Pamela Chan from BlackRock. Also, David Beasley. Does that name ring a bell? I saw this. I saw David Beasley and I looked at the name and I looked at him. He's got a beard now. He did not have a beard, but I remember his face. He's a little bit older looking now, obviously. Former governor of South Carolina. First. I think he's like the first governor I ever interviewed. I was a young, uh, young cub reporter down in rock Vegas. This was the guy who lied so much that South Carolina elected a Democrat <laughs> right this <laughs> David Hodges that was the Democrat who beat him beat David Beasley Beasley was the guy who claimed he could dunk a basketball in high school and he was like five foot two he, he said he be, he said he set the South Carolina like high hurdles track record or something which like was easily debunkable and debunked He is now the U.N. executive director of the United Nations World Food Program. That's where this guy's been. That's where he went. I had no idea he ended up at the U.N. But it is not surprising that he's participating in a video about misinformation and disinformation. Like literally one of the lead off video clips is David Beasley talking about misinformation and disinformation at the World Economic Forum. Okay, so there's your backdrop. I will play for you this audio bite from the newly appointed Undersecretary General for Global Communications and what she had to say about the science and data. Up next. All right, I apologize for what's happening on the stream. Not really sure what's going on. I will check into it, though, on the next break. Apparently, it's got, some, it's got one spot just running on a loop. <laughs> so let's see about fixing that. Ikifu, in a tweet, it's a Pete tweet, Ikifu says, The Alex Jones crazies are doing that whole you're too scared to cover the trial approach. That uh, the Scott bot tried earlier. Which, by the way, yeah, he hasn't written back. So it's further evidence that he is a bot. So, Melissa Fleming is this comms gal for the, uh, the United Nations. Undersecretary General for Global Communications, Melissa Fleming. And on September 20th, she sent out a tweet promoting her appearance at the World Economic Forum. yes. That World Economic Forum, the Great Reset, people. There was a discussion called Sustainable, sorry, Sustainable Development Impact Meetings, and uh, this was the tackling disinformation panel discussion. And she said, "How do we clean up our polluted inform? Yeah, sorry, information ecosystem. How do we clean up our polluted information ecosystem? It's complicated, but possible. Oh. It's possible to clean up the information ecosystem. You notice you notice how she's framing that, right? Like like, yeah, like it's Earth Day. Yeah, we're gonna go pick up some trash out of the stream, right? <laughs> well, not that stream, like a digital stream, right? We're go oh, yeah, we're gonna go and we're gonna find all of the people that are littering our ecosystem with misinformation and disinformation. You know, like. There are no side effects to vaccines, like that kind of disinformation. Mm Mm-hmm. So here's what she said. Now, they talked about, remember, this is about disinformation, so they covered several different topics. Of course, you know, abortion, but it's always the other direction. These, These are all leftists. So all of their views on what disinformation is is, not actually disinformation it's just an opposing view right and god forbid you promote a a differing view just like you know at yale as we mentioned in the first part of the show so uh you got uh the the abortion debate you got the pandemic and the the covid and, and then you also have climate change but of course and listen to this this is what she says about climate change you know we partnered with google for example if you google climate change you will at the top of your search you will get all kinds of un resources we started this partnership when we were shocked to see that when we would googled climate change we were getting incredibly distorted uh, information right at the top so we we're becoming much more proactive um, you know we own the science and we think that the world you know, should know it. And, and the platforms themselves also do. Um, but again, it's, it's, it is, um, it's, it's a huge, huge challenge that I think all sectors of society need to be very active in. All right, so we own the science, she says. And she was startled to learn that when they typed in climate change, they got stuff that appeared in the results that were not UN endorsed, right? Right. That flew in the face of the science and data. We own it. This is a woman who, by the way, tweeted on September 22nd that Pakistan is uh, sorry, Pakistan is going through a climate change nightmare. About the flood. She blamed climate change. She also, uh, on September 16th, she said how anti-vax groups on Facebook's, uh, on Facebook are evading the AI moderation systems with carrot emojis. Did you know that? I did not know that. I do not keep up with all the emoji use. I don't get it. So the carrot emoji is apparently that's the secret way to beat the uh the AI, the algorithms, right? The moderation tools. Also with code, one group advised: use code words for everything. Do not use the C word, V word, or B word ever. You know, and those words would be the COVID vaccine booster. So so people are having conversations without speaking these words. They're self-censoring because of the censorship of the big tech platforms. And the UN comms gal says that's the problem. The problem is people using code words to talk about these topics, not the censorship. <laughs> right? This is a problem, particularly as we arrive at the latest IPCC report. Mm Mm-hmm. You know they're putting together the IPCC thing again? Scientists working on the most authoritative study of climate change were urged to cover up the fact that the world's temperature has not risen for the last 15 years. Whoops. Our bad. A leaked copy of a United Nations report compiled by hundreds of scientists show politicians in Belgium, Germany, Hungary, and the United States raised concerns about the final draft why dead nabbit it's not getting as hot as we predicted 1998 was the hottest year on record and world temperatures have not yet exceeded it which scientists have so far struggled to explain 98 the hottest year on record that we haven't beaten the report is the result of six years work by the UN Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change, which is seen as the world authority on the extent of climate change and what is causing it, on which governments, including Britain's base, their green policies on. These are all leaked documents.